Ayah number 20. Man whoever kana he was yuridu he intends kana yuridu he intends he desires he wants harutha the harvest crop of al-akhirah of the hereafter whoever wants whoever has in mind the harvest of the hereafter yuridu from irada and irada is intention it is to intend for something. Whenever we are doing an action, any action, whatever it may be, there is always some goal that we want to achieve. There is always some purpose that we want to achieve. So for example, if we are drinking a glass of water, the objective is to satisfy our thirst. right? If we are talking to somebody and our tone is a little harsh, the objective is to defeat them in argument. So there is always some irada behind an action. So Allah says over here that any person, whoever he may be, if he wants the harvest of the hereafter, meaning in return for his actions and his effort, he wants the harvest, the produce, the crop in the hereafter. The word harth, ha-ratha, we have read this word earlier also, Hawth is basically crop. It is basically what is grown or raised by sowing seeds. So you sow the seeds, you plant the seeds, and then you take care of it, you water the plant, etc., etc. And then eventually, you get your harvest, your crop, cultivation. And so the word hawth is used for gain, acquisition, earning. Because you earn something by putting in effort. You gain something by working. So, the person who is working, who is striving, and what is it that he wants at the end of his striving? Where does he want the crop? Where does he want the gain? Where does he want the wages? In the hereafter. The harth of al-akhirah. That is his goal. In the hereafter. Allah says, Nazid. We shall increase. Lahu for him, fi harthihi in his harvest. Meaning we will give him more than he actually worked for. He perhaps planted only five seeds, but Allah will give him more than just five plants. Nazid lahu fi harthihi. And harth over here is referring to reward. We will increase the reward for him. We will multiply it for him. How? That in the hereafter, he will get it manifold. But not just in the hereafter, in this world also, Allah will give him something. So, نَزِدْ لَهُ فِي He will get his harvest, his crop, multiplied. وَمَنْ And whoever. Kana, he was such that yuridu, he wants, he intends, he desires. Harutha dunya, the harvest of this world. He wants to gain the ajr, the reward, the wages for his efforts. Where? In this dunya. Then what will happen to him? Allah says, nu'tihi, we will give him. What will we give him? Minha, of it, meaning some of it. Some of what he strove for, yes, he will get something in this world. Meaning, he will not get 100% wages in this dunya. He won't. He will get some of it. 
He will not get all that he wants. His rewards will not be multiplied. Nu'tihi minha. But the biggest loss is that وَمَا لَهُ وَمَا and not لَهُ for him فِي الْآخِرَةِ in the hereafter مِن نَصِيبٍ any share. In the hereafter he will have no share. Why? Because he did not aim for it. He did not intend for it. He did not desire it. He did not work for it. So if he did not work for the hereafter, why should he get reward in the hereafter? So then, what is it that we should strive for? The hearth in dunya or the hearth in akhirah? The hearth in akhirah. Because when we strive for hearth in akhirah, then we get the akhirah and the dunya. But if we strive for the hearth of dunya, then what do we get? Only some of dunya. Not even all of dunya that we want. And that is a big loss. We see that our actions, whether they are of the heart or the tongue or the limbs, any action that we do, they are like as if we are sowing seeds. We are planting seeds. Meaning that they will have consequences. Depending on the quality of the seeds and what seed it is, and where we are planting it, we will get our results. If you sow a seed in soil that is not that great, old, right? It doesn't really have much fertilizer in it. It's not nutrient rich. And the quality of the seed is also not that great. What kind of harvest? What kind of crop? What kind of plants will you get? Not of that great quality. Isn't it? But if you sow high quality seeds, in soil that is also nutrient rich, then what kind of plants will you get? What will you get? Amazing. Beautiful. I remember once planting some herbs in good soil that was well fertilized and it was as if those plants were on steroids. They grew so fast and so beautiful and so well and so good that it's amazing. And then at the same time, some other plants that had been, you know, the soil was not changed, no fertilizer was added to it. What happened to those plants? Okay, they're surviving, but they're not really that great. So what is it that we want? What is it that we're aiming for? What is our goal? Is it the dunya or the akhirah? What is it that we want? If we want the results in this world... If we're aiming for this dunya, then remember that the fruits of this dunya, the crop of this dunya, how is it? It is imperfect, it is defective, alright? It is temporary. And the fruits of the hereafter, the harvest of the hereafter, how is it? It is perfect and it is eternal also. So we learn in Surah Al-Isra, ayah number 18, that man kana yuridul ajilata, whoever wants the ajila, Immediate, meaning he wants immediate gratification for his work. He wants the results now. He wants to be happy now. So for example, his goal is not to aim the approval of Allah. His goal is that whatever he's doing right now, the people who are watching him, they should be happy. They should, you know, clap for him. And they should praise him. This is ajila. You understand? So whoever wants ajila, ajjalna lahu fiha manasha, then we will hasten for him in this world whatever we want. Meaning, he's not gonna get everything that he wants. He's gonna get what we decree for him, what Allah will decree for him. 
But then for this person and the hereafter is what? Jahannam. Because he's not aiming for Jannah. He doesn't even desire it. He doesn't even want it. Then why should he have a share in it? This is similar to Actions are according to intentions. So we see that if a person is striving for dunya, then this is a big loss. And on the other hand, if a person is striving for the hereafter, then that's a win-win. In Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 261, Allah gives us an example. That the example of those who spend in the way of Allah, and spending in the way of Allah is really desiring the house of the hereafter. Because it's like, you've got $50. Alright? And those $50, you could spend anything. Let's say, you choose to get something of this dunya, over here. And the objective is to impress people. Alright? And to look cool, and so that they also respect me, etc., etc. And a person buys it, alright? He gets it. He gets a few smiles and a few words of appreciation. But then what happens? What happens? The result is very, very limited. The benefit is very, very limited. But if a person is buying something, alright? Halal, for the right reason. And what is that right reason? To fulfill need, alright? And he's doing it the right way not to show off and not to impress people, then what's going to happen? The reward is also in the hereafter. So when a person is spending in the way of Allah, and in the way of Allah means in obedience to Allah, for the cause of Allah, in the right way, and in ways that Allah likes and He approves of, then this spending is like a habbah. Kamathali habbah, like a grain. Alright? That when it grows, from which when a plant grows, what does it produce? In the ayah we learn, Saba sanabil, seven ears. And in that, fi kulli sumbulatin mi'atu habba. In each ear, there are a hundred grains. So how many do you have? Seven hundred. This is the reward of aiming for akhirah. The reward is multiplied. As Allah says in Surah Al-Waqi'ah, Ayah 33, that the fruits of Jannah, la maqtu'atin wala mamnu'ah. They will never be cut off, nor will they ever be forbidden. Yes? you want to go to the movies or you want something that you really desire, you want to get it really badly, then instead of spending that money on uh, the thing, keep it away in a box and see how much you collect. See how much you get over that time. So I encourage you all to do that and let's see how much we get and then we can like, you know, donate it and uh, everything. So that would be going yeah. for a good cause. Yeah. Because, you know, it's very easy to run out of money. Isn't it? You know what I'm talking about? You get your money and then the next thing you know, your debit card has like 50 cents left. Right? That's it. Why? Because $5 went on the pizza, and then another $10 went on some lunch, and then, you know, you just saw something so cute that you just wanted to buy, and just couldn't help it, and just bought it, and then what do you have at the end? Hardly anything. And if you analyze your spendings, right, when you see that, what is it? Huh? Statement, Exactly. When you see that statement of all of your transactions that you've made over the past month, you feel like hitting yourself. What did I do? I just threw all that money away. 
So this is the thing. This dunya is very attractive because we see it, right? It's very attractive. And also because we are being bombarded all the time with the need and the urgency to buy more and more and to never be satisfied with what we have because there's something even better out there that you desperately need because it is the solution to all your problems in your life. Right? It is what will bring you true joy and happiness if you have that yogurt. Right? Or if you have that juice, whatever it is. Advertisement, it drives us crazy. It doesn't let us make right decisions. Exactly. We regret and then afterwards we forget and then we repeat the same mistake again. So anyway, in this ayah, what are we being taught? Value yourself. Right? Value your life. Aim for what will bring you better and eternal results. Don't shortchange yourself by aiming for what is lower. Because وَالْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ وَأَبْقَى the hereafter is much better and more lasting. Now the question is, how is it that a person intends for the akhirah, the harvest of the hereafter? And how is it that a person intends for the harvest of this dunya? Because, you know, in principle, in theory, it's very beautiful. Aim for harth al-akhirah. Don't aim for harth al-dunya. But practically, how is it that we can ensure we are aiming for harsal akhirah. What are the signs? What are the things that we need to do to ensure that our efforts are going in the right direction? Yes. And if we think that we are selecting some profession and it will help other people and it will show that how Muslims are caring towards the society, so it will be towards pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like you're... You're pleasing the creation, so you're pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're helping you're the creation. You're aiming for hereafter that you want a better reward from Allah. So that way you're having your dunya and also aiming towards hereafter as well. Yes. What is dunya? What is dunya? When we say that a person is intending dunya, they want dunya, what does it mean? What does it mean? Money. Okay. What else? Fame. Status. Position. What else? The comfort and the joy and the happiness of this dunya, right? Immediate gratification. And the akhirah on the other hand is what? That, okay, you know, you're not aiming for that applause, but if you get it, okay, you take it happily. But that applause and that worldly perks, they're not the goal. They don't determine your work and your striving and your actions that only when people will clap for you or only when they will support you or they will agree with you, they will not criticize you, then you do what you want to do. But if they are not clapping for you, if they criticize you, then you stop. You understand the difference over here? Aiming for akhirah means that firstly you do what will benefit you in the hereafter. You think about and you do what will benefit you in the hereafter, what will bring ajr in the hereafter. 
And really in a day, ask yourself that in this 24 hours, what did I do that will inshallah benefit me in the hereafter? How much did I strive for the dunya? And how much did I strive for the akhirah? You know when you have to do your readings, right? And you have to listen to lectures also. You have to go to attend classes and then you have to practice also. It can take a lot of time. Isn't it? Does it or does it not? You don't do your readings maybe. I remember after I completed my Talim quran course, I had to go back to school. And I like social sciences. So that means a lot of reading, a lot of discussions, and a lot of writing also, because each answer is like an essay, all right, and a lot of practice. So a lot of time would go into that. And reading names and taking notes and whatnot, it would take so much time. And it would hurt me. It would annoy me. Because there I was just two, three weeks ago, spending my, you know, nine to three, or rather eight to two, that was our timings, eight to two, with the Qur'an, and then when I come back home, doing my lesson seven times, and then reviewing, and then practicing, and now all of a sudden, that time is not being spent with the Qur'an, it's being spent with Karl Marx and Max Weber and whatnot, alright, Jonathan Smith and whatnot, so it was annoying. It was hurtful. It really hurt me. I would do all my studies with so much guilt. And then I would tell myself, why am I studying? What is the ultimate goal? What is the end? What is the outcome that I want? You see, the goal should be the hearth. What is the hearth? Is it that I want this degree for the sake of having a degree so that I can have a label or a name or you know I can impress people? Is that the goal? Is the goal some worldly career so that I can earn a lot of money? Is that the goal? What is the goal? I can say that, oh, I'm studying for the sake of Allah, but practically, how is this studying of you know, social science is going to lead me closer to Allah? How? What is it that can I do to my irada so that the harth is in the akhirah and not just the dunya? What can I do over there? Because I don't want six hours of my day going just for the harth of dunya. That's a waste. You understand? I don't want my past four, five, six years going just for the harth of dunya. I should get more out of this time. You understand? So how should I do it? How? Help me figure this out. I could give you the answer, but tell me some ways in which I can fix my irada so that I get harth of akhirah and not just harth of dunya. What can I do? What should I aim for? Yes. How? If you also have some worldly goals, then you're also, you know, you will be able to give dawah and people will not be stereotyping you. You'll be able to have a different impression on people because you are educated and you have knowledge of deen. Okay. So, studying worldly sciences to increase my knowledge of the creation, alright, to better appreciate the creator and the law that He has revealed for the creation. And honestly, you're right. And this is exactly how I would study. And this is the only reason why I am studying till now. Even though it's been, what, so many years because I'm doing part-time, I'm still studying now because of the same reason. To better understand the creation in order to better appreciate the law of Allah, in order to help the creation understand also the perfection of Allah's law. Right? Because if we don't understand the dunya, then we can't really function properly.
properly in the dunya. You understand? So that could be one way. Tell me another way. Yes. Alhamdulillah, like you know, some Muslims back in the days took the initiative to get into these like politics and stuff like that. Or mainstream institutions. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, taking this dunyai knowledge, we can always like, you know, turn it into an akhira goal in a way that, you know, we want Muslims to move forward, to come out, to be, you know, out there, just like that one chef cooked for a queen because she was like, you know, amazing chef. Or so many people are coming out in London, um, in England, because, you know, there's so many Muslims there, educated. They're willing to put in their time and effort just so Islam can be out there. You know, Muslims can do more than just sit at home and, you know, just da'wah, da'wah, da'wah. This is, that's the thing. We don't want to look down on da'wah for the sake of worldly goals. All right? I want you to understand these worldly goals come under, can come within your goal of pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they must be. We have to stop separating the dunya from the akhirah. We have to bring deen in our dunya. You understand? We have to bring deen in our dunya. When you go to school, all right, and or you go to work, and you are wearing your hijab, and you are living by your principles, and you are praying on time, and you are, you know, sharing matters of the deen with the people around you. This is also aiming for the akhirah, because remember that the servant who lives within people and tolerates their hurt is better than the servant who lives alone, and he doesn't have that opportunity to be patient. Yes. And also our deen is a implementation. It's practical. What we are learning, we cannot just stay at home and just keep it to ourselves. When we are going out there, we are working with people. That's a place where we can show what our deen is by our acts, not just by our words. Yes. So, so also remember that when you do something, all right, that is a worldly matter, a worldly need, and you're fulfilling it in the right way, in the way that Allah has prescribed. Alright? That is also ibadah. So if a person is earning money, the halal way, and a person is purchasing food, halal food, and then in hadith, for example, we learned that a person is feeding his wife, even the morsel of food that he puts in the mouth of his wife is written as, as charity meaning he's rewarded for it. Because he is staying within the limits that Allah has set. He is accepting the responsibilities that Allah has placed upon him and he's fulfilling them to the best of his ability. Then this is also ibadah. This is aiming for harth of akhirah. Even though a person is fulfilling worldly needs. So I remember when I was in school, I had a lot of trouble again, like with the intention. So I remember I was talking to my parents, at my mom at that point mainly, and she kind of advised me. She was like, as as like uh, human beings, we're the khalifas of this earth. So it's our responsibility to make sure, like if you do work, like with the environment, you're, that's your intention. Is for the sake of Allah, we're looking after the earth. Or if you're doing like social work or public health, you're making sure that we're looking after the creation and serving humanity because that is also something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has asked us to do. So in that way, um, also another thing that she mentioned to me was just always to like prioritize things that we have to do for the religion, like salah, for example. 
like we see this ayat, which is easier said than done. But, so remembering that even though we're going to school, to always prioritize those things that come first, which are priorities. Yes. So whether you are studying economics or accounting or or what? Medicine or psychology or environmental sciences or anything, whatever you're studying, please don't let this time and this youth burn away. You have to do it with the right reason. Have some goals. Have some intentions. And aim for the hearth of akhirah, not for the hearth of dunya. And if you're wondering, how should I aim for the hearth of akhirah? Ask Allah. Ask Allah to show you the right way, to give you the right intention, and to help you use your time in the most beneficial way. Ask Allah to allow you to benefit from your youth. And to not let it just slip away from your hands. I was also thinking that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us when we're doing something, we have to do it with ihsan. Yes. So when you're doing anything, even for like, when you're studying, you have to do it with ihsan. So it shows that, oh, that even these things uh, we're doing, because we did it with ihsan, it shows how like we can spread da'wah through our hard work and show like these are our values to do whatever we're doing with the best of our abilities. Yes, that's true. And it's very important doing things with ihsan. Because this is one of the best ways of doing da'wah also. This is one of the best ways of showing to others and helping others figure out how deen is practical. And it is possible to observe your religion while living your life. It is definitely possible. I remember when I did go back to school after my Ta'limul Qur'an course, I was so particular about my homework and everything, even my classwork and my attitude in class, even though, I mean, how are kids typically in school? You know exactly how they are, right? Coming late, not doing their work, skipping classes. I would never do anything like that. Because I knew that when I go there, people don't just look at me as Demia, right? Or just a girl. They look at me as a girl with the hijab. Alright? So I have to be careful. Go ahead. Uh, Assalamu alaikum. I just want to share um, once times uh, Sheikh Muhammad Al Sharif uh, sharing her one story. He said, when I finish IIT, so university graduate, then after that he did his um, Islamic study in Medina. So when he did, so uh, for uh, for IIT he have to go work for somewhere. So he said, I was uh, I was assigned to f- some uh, company for uh, fixing the computers. So I was be working with the computer for eight hours from morning thing to fix the computer. After that, he said, I've been thinking about myself. I read, I study how much time in Haiti for university and how much time I spend in Medina for studying Islam. Now I'm spending all my time to sit eight hours to fix a computer. So he said, I have a better idea. No, I can't do that. I'm going out to fix the mind of the owner of the computer. So I came and come out. I gave this work to give them the dawah on studying the Quran. So... I mean, what, whatever the way using back, these people using back the computers so they can know how to using, how, how benefit themselves from the computers. So that's why he did both of them. He did Islam, he did IT, and now we know everybody's witnessing of his work in the in Islamic way. So that's hearts of the dunya and hearts of the akhirah. Akhira. So how many thousand, thousand students you have and benefit from him? 
So, and mashallah, he's still doing very good. He's still doing, he's making a lot of help for uh, Islamic, for the dunya, for the boat, which is uh, people, Muslim and non-Muslim, is benefiting from all his work. Yes. yes. That's yeah. The thing is that generally we aim very low. Very low. We think, I have to go to school, then I have to go to university, and I have to have a sound career so that I can make good money. And basically, we're just aiming to be a cog in someone's factory. That's what we're aiming for. And you have much more potential than just being a cog somewhere. You can do much more than that. There's this book I'm reading these days, The Icarus Deception. It's by Seth Godin. And it's about how high will you fly? How high will you fly? He says that, you know, the work that you do is basically art. Alright? Whatever you do is art. And we have been trained into believing that, you know, because of the industrial revolution, we've been trained into believing that we have to do things a certain way and only that way. So for example, you just have to go to school and then have an established career and then just work in that way and that's the only way that you'll make money that's the only way that you'll be successful in life no yes go to school yes have a career but then realize that your life is much more than just being an accountant 9 to 5 somewhere you can do much more than that make use of your life make use of your time and make use of the opportunities that you've been given in your life and see how far you can go how high you can fly how much more you can achieve. You know, it's these fetters that have been put on us, all right? And these fetters are really the house of dunya, aiming for the dunya. And we need to unshackle ourselves and realize that there's more to life than just the dunya that is in front of me. There's more to life than just the worldly benefits that I see before me. So how high will you go? How far do you want to go? What is your potential? And many times we limit ourselves. So as we have studied, like dunya is basically the play field yes. for Akhira. Yes. And it is supposed to be trials. It is our opportunity. It is a limited time we are given. It's our opportunity to earn for Akhira. That's what dunya is. So none of the matters of dunya are separate than Akhira. Exactly. So the dunya is what will take you to the Akhira. Exactly. That's how it is. So we all know like dua is a big part of it. Salah is a big part of it. So if we are doing five salahs, we have learned to manage our time. We can't stay up at nights if we want to do salah. So we learn time management. Allah Ta'ala has kind of built in everything in there if we follow it. And Allah Ta'ala said, don't break your relationship with your kins. So once again, we are taught about Prophet Yusuf. It's not easy keeping relationship with your siblings and you will have ups and downs. But if you are doing it for sake of Allah, you build those relationships with your parents, you be kind to your parents for sake of Allah, everything, every word, everything become your sawab for akhira. Same thing for your husband. Like if you have a, you're in a relationship or husband-wife, if you are kind to your husband for sake of Allah, yes. everything you do for him will become your sawab. Yes. Or your daughter-in-laws or uh, mother-in-laws, however. And everything has a trial in it. It's None yes. of it is easy. But if our intention is that Allah, I'm doing it for you, you make it easy for me, it all becomes sawab. Yes, exactly. So how does a person then intend for the hereafter? Firstly, by doing the actions that will benefit in the hereafter. So no matter how busy we are with our worldly affairs, right? we have to 
pay attention to those matters that will benefit us in the hereafter. So with the money that we have, for example, yes, we spend it on worldly needs, but realize that there are certain causes where if we spend our money, it will bring us a lot of benefit in the hereafter. As we learn that a person will be shaded by his sadaqah on the day of judgment. In the hashr, when the sun will be so close, people will be under the shade of what? Their charity. So how much are we spending on that? So doing the actions that will benefit in the hereafter. Secondly, by performing the worldly actions the right way. Whether it is spending all of your savings on buying a car, for example. All right? Or all of your savings, whatever that you've saved up on a wedding. Whatever it may be, do it the right way. Don't let it go waste. Thirdly, by making sincere intentions. That whatever a person is doing, he renews his intention. He does it for the sake of Allah. And the fourth, by being consistent. Because the one who is aiming for the hereafter, all right, he hasn't reached the end of his journey until his last breath. If a person stops halfway, then he didn't really aim for the hereafter. When you are looking after your crop, when you're looking after your plants, and you want something from it, like for example, you plant your tomato plants, for example, and you want the tomatoes. It's not like you will just sow the seeds and you'll give water the first few weeks and then forget about it. No. You have to take care of it until the very end. Isn't it? Because if you don't, you're not going to get those nice tomatoes. You might get some tomatoes, but they're not really going to be great. They're not going to be great. So you have to strive until the very end. This is why in hadith we learn that hold on to the truth you know, with your molars if you have to. That it's as if the haqq is being snatched away from you, taken away from you. It's getting so difficult to hold on to the truth, to hold on to what is right. But hold on to it with your molars if you must, but don't leave it until your last breath. Don't leave it until then. So being consistent. And this is what shows that a person is really aiming for the hereafter. So whoever aims for the hereafter, then Allah will increase the reward for him. And whoever is aiming for dunya, then what will he get? Maybe something. Not even a hundred percent of what he wants. And we see this. That where people are striving for the dunya, do they get all the dunya that they strive for? Do they? No. So don't waste yourself by aiming for dunya. Am lahum. Or do they have shuraka'a, other deities, shara'u lahum, who have legislated for them, who have ordained for them, minadini of religion, meaning of worship. Do they have some other gods who have legislated religion for them? Ma that which lam ya'than, he has not given permission, bihi of it, Allahu Allah, meaning Allah has not given permission for those actions. And these shuraka have prescribed those actions for them? Meaning, where are they getting all of these laws from? Where are they getting all of these rituals from? Did Allah legislate it? No, He didn't. So when He didn't, then why are you following others? And this is basically referring to the ways of the mushrikeen. Like for example, they had made certain things halal and certain other things haram. So where is that coming from? Where did you get it from? Did Allah give that command? No, He didn't. 
وَلَوْلَا كَلِمَةُ الْفَصْلِ This is such a serious offense near Allah that if it was not for the decisive word, كَلِمَةُ الْفَصْلِ What does فَصْل mean? Decision, but what kind of decision? That which separates between right and wrong, truth and falsehood. So had it not been for the decisive word, meaning final decision, and what is that final decision that Allah has made, that recompense will be in the hereafter, what would happen? لَقُضِيَ بَيْنَهُمْ It would have been concluded between them. Meaning they would have been punished for these things they're innovating in the name of God. وَإِنَّ الظَّالِمِينَ And indeed the wrongdoers, لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ For them is a painful punishment. So what do we see in this ayah? That the right to legislate anything in religion is whose right? It is Allah's right. تَرَى mean You would see the wrongdoers, meaning those who invent matters in their religion and in the name of God. Such people, you will see them. And remember, إِنَّ الشِّرْكَ لَظُلْمٌ عَظِيمٌ Shirk is the greatest injustice. So such people, you would see them مُشْفِقِينَ Afraid. مِمَّا كَسَبُوا Of what they have acquired. And what is it that they have acquired? Lying about Allah. Shirk. وَهُوَ وَاقِعٌ بِهِمْ They'll be afraid of their sins. And the fact is that وَهُوَ and it, meaning what they fear. And what is it that they fear? The punishment for their sins. It is وَاقِعٌ بِهِمْ It is وَاقِعٌ One that shall occur. بِهِمْ At them. As in one that will befall them. Certainly befall them. They will not be able to avoid it. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا And those who believe. وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ and they have also done righteous deeds. Where will they be? In fear? No. They will be فِيرَوْضَاتِ jannat In the gardens, in the lushest regions of the gardens. Which gardens? Jannah. Rawdat is the plural of the word rawda. Rawda, ra, wa, dad. And rawda is used for the lushest, the most beautiful part of a garden. The lushest part of a garden, the most beautiful part of a garden. Alright? And the word rawda also applies to a garden. So, fi rawdatil jannat, they will be in the lushest regions of paradise. Lahumma yasha'oon, they shall have whatever they desire. Inda rabbihim with their Lord. Allah says, ذَلِكَ huwa الْفَضْلُ الْكَبِيرِ That is the great bounty. What is the great bounty? What is the great achievement to make it to Jannah? You see, two types of people are mentioned. One, ظالمين, and the other, الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ Earlier we learned that those who believe, they are afraid of the hereafter. And those who deny, they are impatient for it. In their denial and their mockery. But what do we see? On the day of judgment, it will be the exact opposite. The ظالمين will be afraid. And the mu'mineen, those who do righteous deeds, they will be in peace and tranquility. Firawdatil jannat, enjoying whatever they desire. Thalika, that is, alladhi which yubashirullahu, Allah gives good news. Allah gives good news of this, of what? Of what? Of eternal joy and contentment and peace in rawdatil jannat. Allah gives this good news to who? To ibadahu, to his servants. Which servants? Alladina amanu wa amilu salihat. Those who believe and they also do righteous deeds. Yes, 
it gets difficult to do righteous deeds. Yes, it gets difficult to aim for harth al-akhirah. But it's not going to go in vain. The results are great. They are amazing. So Allah gives good news of that. And when He's giving good news of that, then aim for it and strive for it and don't give up. Qul, say, O Prophet ﷺ, you say to the people, that لَا أَسْأَلُكُمْ عَلَيْهِ ajra. I do not ask for you over it any wage. Over what? Over the service of delivering the message to you. I don't expect any wage from you. Because I'm not serving you. I'm actually serving my Creator. So I don't want anything from you. Illa. However, but, al-mawadda, what I do expect from you, is al-mawadda, affection, love. Why? Fil qurba, for the sake of kinship. I don't want any wage from you, but the one thing I do expect from you, is that at least you show me some affection, because of the fact that we are related to each other. Fil qurba, qurba, closeness, the will qurba, alright? Kinship. So, mawadda is love and affection. So you show me some affection for the sake of my relationship with you. Meaning, at least don't oppose me and don't hate on me and don't harm me and hurt me. I'm related to you after all. Yes, fine, don't believe if you don't want to. But don't persecute me. Remember, this is a Makki surah. Correct? And so the mushrikeen are told that look, there's some kind of kinship between us. Right? The Prophet ﷺ is told to say this to them, that I don't want any money from you, I don't want any kingship and authority from you, all I'm asking is that you respect the ties of kinship that we have. And you don't treat a relative the way you're treating me. You understand? The way they were treating the Prophet ﷺ, is that the way a relative is to be treated? Not at all. You see Abu Lahab, let me tell you one story. Abu Lahab, an uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, correct? Abu Talib, also an uncle of the Prophet ﷺ. Who defended him? Abu Talib. And who opposed him? Abu Lahab. What happened when Abu Talib died, is that somebody went to Abu Lahab and said, what kind of an uncle are you? You're supposed to be related to Muhammad ﷺ. Abu Talib has died. Aren't you going to do something to protect your nephew? Even though you don't agree with him and you don't believe in him, aren't you going to do something to protect him? And so Abu Lahab, because of his relationship with the Prophet ﷺ, alright, and because in that society you had to support your relatives, he actually told people, you know, Muhammad ﷺ is in my protection. Nobody bother him because he's my nephew. Abu Lahab did that. And what happened then? Abu Jahl went to Abu Lahab and smacked him and said, what are you doing? And insulted him. Insulted him. And so Abu Lahab renounced his protection that he had offered to the Prophet ﷺ. So just an example of how in that society, you were supposed to treat your relatives in the best way. It was something expected. So they're reminded of that. وَمَن يَقْتَرِفْ حَسَنَةً Whoever acquires a good deed, Allah says, نَزِدْ لَهُ فِيهَا حُسْنًا We increase for him in it much good. Meaning we increase the reward for him. Because إِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ شَكُورٌ Indeed Allah is forgiving and appreciative. How appreciative is he? That a person does one deed and Allah rewards him 
multiple times. And part of his appreciation is also that when a servant takes one step, Allah takes ten steps. When a servant does one good deed, Allah gives him the ability to do more.